My grandma and your grandma sitting by the fire. My grandma told your grandma I'm gonna set your flag on fire. Talking about hey now, hey now, hey now, hey now. I go, I go one day. Oh, It is May 1988. Crocodile Dundee 2. Do your hair, Cynthia. Premieres May 25th and still wins the month's box office. Fat by Sue Plantation's Weird Al cracks the Billboard Top 100, while Terrence Trent Darby tops it. Carries a big flop on Broadway and NBC airs the series finale of Saint Elsewhere. But you don't care about all that because you're still playing Nancy Drew trying to solve the mystery of the cagey mother who's always home late from work. Finally, there's a break in the case. Chuck left a message on your Panasonic KX-T1520 automatic telephone answering system thanking your mom, Barbara, for helping out with the big Montgomery account and telling her to take tomorrow off. Well, that was anticlimactic. I guess you can get back to finding a cooler pop cultural reference than Nancy Drew. Yes, it's time to... Listen to Sassy. And now here are your hosts, Tara Ariano and Pamela Ribbon. Hey, Pam. Hey, Tara. Shit was more exciting when Dennis was around. (laughs) (laughs) It can't all be... A high drama. This is somebody's well, life. Sometimes, you know, mom just <laughs> is late because shit's happening at work. We've all been there. It was a busy week for me. I get it. No, I would find out if Chuck's got tomorrow off, too. Mm. That's all I'm saying. May 88 in pop culture. Pam, let's talk about mm. that St. Elsewhere finale because it was a big event in your family's life. Yeah, we... There, were, there weren't very many shows we watched as a family ever in the history of the ribbons. <laughs> and, and I come from a family where everybody watches TV, in their own TV, in their own room, watching the same show. That's mm-hmm. what it was like at my dad's house when I went to my grandma's house. So that we would all get together and watch this. was It was a thing. Um, and I and if, if you don't know what St. Elsewhere is, it's a hospital show. Like if there was Grey's Anatomy and before that was ER and before that was St. Elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure before that was, I don't know, General Hospital. But to me, this was the first like nighttime soap adulty thing that I ever experienced. And I loved it. The St. Elsewhere finale ends with it turning out that all of this show, the whole thing was existing solely in the mind of a, of a child with autism who was looking at a snow globe of this hospital in Chicago. Baltimore. Oh, Baltimore? Mm-hmm. That's ER. I was thinking of ER. Yeah. Baltimore. Thank you. And Chicago Hope. It's right, right there in the title. Oh, my gosh. There you go. Yeah, you see why I think all medical dramas happen in Chicago. <laughs> Chicago people are clumsy. That's why most of the things. So windy It's because Warner people Brothers doesn't over. want to take that set down. <laughs> <laughs> we watched it as a family, and it was, uh, I just remember my mom was like, huh, and I was very moved and my dad was like, this is some bullshit. And we, <laughs> I don't think ever watched a show as a family again. Oh, like that was it. No. That was it. Well, because what replaced this was LA Law. Right. And that was deemed too sexy. Mm-hmm. So I, that's when I began watching the same show in my room, continuing the ribbon tradition. <laughs> uh, you could tell that it was all the imagination of a child because Howie Mandel was in the same room as Denzel Washington. <laughs> 
But seriously, the the legacy of saying elsewhere is that ending, enduring legacy anyways. And it's called the Tommy Westfall universe theory. And it is like one of the Internet's early great theories. Like today, there's like so many of them floating out there because everybody just wants to throw something out there in case it sticks. And there's a lot of people just putting bullshit out there. Very annoying and contrarian and just unfulfilling. But this is one of the early ones. And Tara, you looked at the guy's name. He's no longer with us, but. Yes, it's Dwayne McDuffie. And he was actually a, a comic book writer. He wrote for Marvel and DC. Both. Oh, okay. So Dwayne McDuffie came up with this theory that, okay, we know that St. Elsewhere now happened in the mind of Tommy Westfall. But St. Elsewhere had crossovers and interconnectedness with other shows. Therefore, those other shows must be part of the same imaginary universe and that branches off and branches off until you have like friends as part of the Tommy Westfall universe. There's ties in, even into Marvel now. It is like a really great small little idea that grew and grew and now it's just this fun idea that like a good one-tenth of the output since the 80s of Hollywood <laughs> is in the mind of Tommy Westfall and doesn't actually exist in the real world of, right. of movies. Mm -hmm. Dave, what were you doing pop culture-wise in May 1988? Well, I got a few things. I went to – there's a site called Tango and you can look up the actual primetime TV listings for any particular day and see what they were to remind myself – of what was on TV, the shows I loved, MacGyver. Sure. <laughs> MacGyver is such a great concept for a show. It's basically, what if you had a really good handyman who fights crime? Yeah. <laughs> it was a dumb, fun show, and even though it wasn't a Stephen J. Cannell show, it definitely is in that mold of, yes. I got this really weird, lazy premise, and we're going to do six seasons minimum. <laughs> I can feel it in my bones. <laughs> it was one of those shows. Yeah. The other one was Equalizer dark brooding show at least for its time and the other two shows that i didn't watch but i just want to make note of that were still on the air or just wrapping up number one mr belvedere which i only bring up because of the guy sat at his own ball story which is the sure best story from television ever yep. if you don't know look it up mr belvedere sat on balls on google should probably get you the answer there mm -hmm. and a note that on May 13th, ABC reran the finale of a show called I Married Dora, which only lasted 13 episodes, but is notable for how they ended it, mm -hmm. which is they shot 12 episodes, got canceled, but they still had time to shoot one more. So they shot it. And this is what they did at the end of that episode. The main character just got on a plane and now he's, you know, they got deplaned and he's coming back where everybody was uh, waiting for him. Hold on, hold on. Calm down here. Mr. Peter! It's been canceled. The flight? No, our series. Oh. <laughs> Adios. And that's how they end it. The camera pulls back as a very fourth wall moment. The camera pulls back to show all the other cameras and the audience and all that stuff. So that's and how. The drunk writers, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, drunk or, or better. <laughs> I can't believe you're not going to mention the series finale of Magnum P.I., which was also this one. Oh, OK. Well, the problem God, with the series ends, the problem with the series <laughs> finale of Magnum P.I. is that they burnt the really good finale a season or maybe even two seasons before mm -hmm. because they thought they were wrapping the show up and it was going to be retired. Right. So they did this really good episode where Magnum gets shot at the beginning of the episode 
and it's sort of the next hour is like this fever dreamy him dying which he does he dies Mm -hmm. and that was like the finale is just like you know meeting old characters and old friends and all that kind of stuff and just you know sort of having this existential last moment and then he brought up the show back so they had to write this bullshit how how he didn't die storyline for the premiere of the next season and then it just wraps up in a very conventional kind of way Mm -hmm. so too bad well mine is not really regarding May of 1988 I just reporting back on something I promised to do in a previous episode which is I watched Crybaby Pam <gasps> you did I did oh, you buried the lead I wasn't I watched it? it last night so um it's funny to note the it opens with all of the teen kids uh getting vaccinated for polio <laughs> it's the cla- they're the class of 1954 um also notable because uh, we're talking about Melrose Place, of course, on our sister podcast again with this. And this features both Amy Locane and Tracy Lords. And we're up to the Tracy Lords arc on Melrose Place. She plays a cult member slash leader. She's very good uh, with her scary eye makeup. All of the the drape gang ladies and their amazing eyeliner. <laughs> it looks very hard to achieve, but it's very intimidating. Plus, future one to watch of Sassy Magazine, Darren E. Burroughs, before Northern Exposure, also in this. Maybe contemporary to Northern Exposure, I can't remember. And Ricky Lake as Johnny Depp's sister, enormously pregnant and also extremely intimidating too (laughs) despite that and of course johnny depp amy locaine getting to play opposite all of pam's favorite boys first adam horovitz we talked about it in the last issue now johnny depp (laughs) she's really living your best life in the 80s and 90s yes between that and and kid 90 soyle like it's just some pam fic everywhere But when she, uh, she, cause she starts out a square and when we get to the scene where she just says, I'm so tired of being good. It's like, oh, there's, there's little Pam <laughs> living her fantasies through this movie. Mm-hmm. Just imagining the hot bad boy pulling up to her talent show and, and yanking her away to, to a different Please, kind of life. Mr. Jailer, <laughs> don't you make no laugher out of me. Yes. The one yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, such a good soundtrack, you guys. So yes. Good. And so, yeah, it's a, it's very enjoyable. I uh, I love the scene where they go to an orphanage and the, the orphans are displayed in glass windows like girls in the red light district in Amsterdam. Anyway, uh, I also looked up because I forgot that it was a Broadway musical as well. Briefly, didn't last very long. But um, Adam Schlesinger wrote all the music for it. Oh, which I didn't, didn't know. know that. The late awesome. Adam Schlesinger, we lost him. Apparently, it was a great show. I was talking to uh, our friend Adam Grossworth about it on text last night. He said it was a really good show. Apparently, the uh, in the jailhouse scene, they do a tap number with um, license plates on their feet instead <laughs> instead of tap very shoes, cool. and uh, a lot of people got injured. He said, but it was very cool <laughs> and sexy. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to check out that soundtrack, too. So, yes, thank you for the recommendation of Cry Baby Pam. And for anyone listening, if you have stars, it is on stars. So you can watch it as well. And let it live in your heart. Let us get into this issue. Let's start with what now and the pop culture topics. Pam, start us off. 
It took me a while because it's called Ugly in Pink. And I was like, oh, they're going to shit on Pretty in Pink. But they aren't. They're talking about that Molly Ringwald and Andrew McCarthy are together again in a movie called Fresh Horses, which will be coming out later this summer, where Molly plays a product of a broken home and Andrew the zombie plays a middle class college boy who's in love with her. Now, I didn't add Andrew the zombie. That's what they put. Yeah. What is it with Andrew McCarthy and people? Like, did he ever do it for you? Uh, he's fine. He's still around. He's in Good Girls this season. He's pretty good. No, I know he's still around and, and acting and still directing. Yeah. Stood the test of time. That, But I just have never, it's never, I don't get the, it doesn't hook into me. You know, the <laughs> what about prom Blaine? Like all of his yeah. like eyes. I don't trust any of him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what we're yeah. getting into. He's very good as like the the prep guy you should be suspicious of, which was mm. his lane. Yeah, but in Fresh Horses, this was Fresh Horses was like, we're tired of being John Hughes people. We're going to act now. We're acting right. in like a film. If there was like a t- a network TV version of American Psycho, he would be Christian Bale. <laughs> he would. Yes, true. there you go. In all the other stuff from around this time that I've been reading, they were doing a lot of like, it's not a big deal that we're acting together again. It's not a sequel. This is a movie about people. We're right. older and dirtier and grittier. Yeah. I mean, I think she tried harder to break out of the John Hughes, like, cutie pie box, I guess. Yet she turned down Blue Velvet, so not that hard. (laughs) I guess. But there was this and For Keeps where it was, like, a, a little bit edgier. Dirty dancer Patrick Swayze and some Manhattan restaurant types... (laughs) seems judgmental, opened a restaurant last month called Mulholland Drive Cafe. It's in New York, but named after a street in Los Angeles, guys, and serves, and this is why I'm bringing this up, because I made me laugh, serves Southern stuff. (laughs) Just the two words Southern stuff made me laugh. "Eh, Southern stuff. It's it's a very dismissive way to talk about a whole cuisine. I think the three of us would be eating the shit out of this restaurant. And the whole time singing songs about Patrick Swayze. Like, this just seems like we'd be like, we're going to Swayze land, right? <laughs> oh, it's called, well, it's called Mulholland Ca- Drive Cafe, but that's not what we would call it. No. We're going to eat some Swayze fries. I believe what you would be saying is, I'm going to go Swayze on this X. <laughs> Ooh, yes. <laughs> this shit is Swayze. Oh, I'm going to go Swayze on these collard greens. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to give them the lift. <laughs> <laughs> and then put them in my mouth. <laughs> I'm having the time of my life. Why didn't they call us <laughs> to do the marketing for Mulholland Drive Cafe? Oh, my God. But, uh, the, you know, as you pointing out Southern stuff and then this Andrew the zombie, I think Christina Kelly was really starting to hit her snark stride here in this what now. It's a lot of like, yes. uh, guess what, guys? Bad news, guys. Like now we are being spoken to, not just about we get another uh, box of celebrity sightings and we are told these are in order of cuteness strap in <laughs> yeah <laughs> john malkovich number one matt dillon daryl hannah jennifer gray elizabeth mcgovern kevin bacon i cannot tell if that list is ascending or descending cuteness order, in their opinion, <laughs> that list is real chaotic. <laughs> like, why 
In order of cuteness, John Malkovich. What? <laughs> I don't understand. You, you know what? It didn't occur to me that it's opposite order of cuteness, but I think that might be what they're doing. As, well, this is just someone who loves Kevin Bacon. But, I guess. You know, as an invisible boyfriend, but. But if that's true, I feel like th- Matt Dillon is too low. Yeah. I mean, Pam, cover your ears, but Kevin Bacon's a weird looking dude. (laughs) Dave, open your ears. I have a Kevin Bacon. I have a Matt Dillon story you'll like. (laughs) One time I was at the restaurant Ammo and for lunch and I had to go pee and I started walking to the bathroom. But sitting at the table near the bathroom was Matt Dillon, who looked up at me and I looked at him and our eyes met and I turned around and sat down thinking, I can't let him know I pee. Uh-huh. <laughs> I made the right choice. <laughs> wow. Amazing. <sighs> he looked just like Matt Dillon. <laughs> yeah, he's handsome. He's better looking than Kevin Bacon or John Malkovich. Like, just empirically, sure. I'm sorry. Like, so in, yeah. his placement in this list is very strange to me. Well, the last list is like Robert Redford, Steve Martin, and Dr. Ruth. So I'm not sure that they keep listing <laughs> no. with the list. And then it just becomes names. Yes. There's a lot of old bones in that list. <laughs> 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 it's true. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't. Well, yeah, moving. <laughs> Tiffany's back. Her record record company sent Karen Tiffany's new album, which Karen broke over her knee, threw in the trash, and then took a Polaroid of, uh, which we get a picture. We get to see it in What Now? So feud stoked for no reason except pettiness, which now I've come back around. Now I respect it. (laughs) I think it's funny. (laughs) I feel like this this Polaroid of Tiffany in the trash can must be used more than once because I, I remember it like we took it. Yeah, <laughs> like it used to be in my locker or something. <laughs> Maybe. The other thing about it is like you forget how big LPs were. They're so mm. big. Like it's sticking so far out of this garbage can. Like even having been broken over her knee, it's still sticking out of it. They're they're well, really yeah. But it's really large. Instagram placed. It's no, it is in- influencer placed. Like and it's in the trash kind of. True, but I still think it would not have fit in even if they crammed it. It's big. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) Then we have some other topics that are not pop culture related and what now, including a girl literally named Sassy. It just seems like a girl who wrote in and was like, oh, my sister couldn't say my name when I was born because it's Stephanie. And so they just called me Sassy, which is cute. The only reason I wanted to mention it, and we'll put her picture in the show notes. This girl is all of us. Like, she just looks like (laughs) 1988. I just love her. I want to hug her. If you are listening, this girl named Sassy, I love you. I am you. And um, I treasure you and I celebrate you. Thank you for writing in with your picture. You're so sweet. Do you think she's sunburned 
or that like she's so embarrassed uh, there's so much going on that i uh, wanted to say like umagird sassy all yeah. around this picture she's so red and again we've talked about this with regard to like the skincare products she this is a girl yes. who has burnt her face with noxema and then stripped yes. it with sea breeze astringent she's doing everything wrong that she was told to because we didn't yes. know hang on i think also it might be her doing her own makeup poorly because she's got yes, a lot listen. of blue eyeshadow on and she that has, might just be just me uh uh rouge on her cheeks be. doesn't explain the very red drunken 65 year old man nose that's <laughs> happening in this photo but the rest of it checks out with makeup we didn't know she definitely did her own bangs and i had not widened the shot until you said that she doesn't just have blue eyeshadow on she has blued up the eyebrows uh-huh. yeah Oh, boy. I think she had a sunburn, and that's the nose. And then she was like, I could cover this sunburn with intentional blush, mm-hmm. and then I'll just look sun-swept. <laughs> yeah. But then, after all that, yeah, I got to send in this photo. <laughs> like, take another photo. No, you know what Find I think? an old photo. She was like, my hair looks good. I it think does. her mom sent it in. I think mm. she opened this sassy and was like, mom, No! <laughs> You're right. Pam's I gave right. you two pictures. I gave you the one where I was in the swimsuit. Well, I am not putting the one of you in the swimsuit in a national magazine. What would your grandmother say? Absolutely not, Stephanie. I think you look nice here. Your hair is done. You're wearing the earrings I got you. Mom, this picture was for church. Well, I love it. I did your hair that day. Remember, I did the I, I did the blow back and the blow forward. So you had two kinds of bangs, up bangs and down bangs. There's a girl who knows how to have fun, right? You're wearing my necklace and your necklace because we're friends forever, right? Because remember, you promised me you'd never move out, Stephanie. Now go watch your sister. I've got to go to work and work late. My name is Barbara. (laughs) No, it's Joyce. Joyce. My name is Joyce. It's It's a real choice. It's Joyce. And this is a good time to remind you, we have visual aids for every episode of this <laughs> podcast. So go to listen to Sassy and see and this picture. We we've, rewind. we will put it up for you. Of course. Of course oh my gosh. we will. Sassy Steph, if you're still out there, please be our first guest. We love you. We have our second Sassy glossary entry in this issue. It is rage, verb, meaning to rock and roll and generally have a wild good time. As in, Neil went out raging last night, so he's a little bit out of it today. Raging, the adjective, is used to describe conditions that are out of control, as in Catherine has a raging crush on Sting. Or, and here's why I'm adding this, because they were really ahead of the curve on everybody on this one. Kirk Cameron is a raging fool. Who's going to have the last laugh, though, when we're left behind and he's already (laughs) ascended to heaven, sitting next to the man on the throne, getting all the Subway sandwiches he wants to eat. (laughs) Five dollar, five dollar, five dollar after life. Oh, my God. That picture is the funniest thing on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know this Kirk Cameron subway story. Oh, my God. (gasps) Pam. Take a moment. Here, let me send you this. uh... Oh, yes. Oh, boy. Oh. Look at them hiding in the other room. Like, they invented (laughs) social distancing for him. (laughs) But it's everything. It's like the 1989 wood 
on this office like it's his birthday and there's two people kind of hiding in the photo and there's just a whole bunch of un uh unattended uneaten subway sandwiches on paper plates in the there's, table. and then someone left yeah. their orange juice like that's yeah. what you have with a foot long yeah. <laughs> really brings out your meats but the lady <laughs> The lady hiding. Oh, the door says private. That's why nobody's in there, you guys. The door says private. But the lady hiding in the back on the blue church fabric uh, carpeting looks like he keeps her somewhere. And she's just (laughs) waiting to be told where he will keep her next. It's so sad. We have a little thing on Mother's Day. <laughs> Stephanie, they mentioned Mother's Day. Have you ever wonder who came up <laughs> with the idea for Mother's Day? It wasn't your mom. It was the brainchild of Anna Jarvis, a West Virginian who had the guilties about not being a perfect daughter. Her mom had died in 1905, and Anna felt like she had just never done enough for her. The House of Representatives must have had some filial guilt, too, because they had approved Mother's Day almost as soon as she proposed it in 1908. Bummer for Anna, though. She then had a traumatic love affair, didn't get married or have kids, and never got any flowers on Mother's Day. I went down a rabbit hole here, looking all of this up, and whoever wants to make this movie with me... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm ready because Anna Jarvis was, uh, her, her mother, I guess, did walk around being like, there should be a day for moms. Like, but she didn't mean it like, you know, we have it now. And it was, she didn't mean it martyrly. Apparently she just was like, that's really weird that we don't like talk about how great it is that mothers are doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So then only after her mom died, was she like, fine. I'll do it. She led the movement for the commemoration. However, as the years passed, she grew really disenchanted with the growing commercialization of the observation. She didn't make any money off of it. And she had started just carnations. Like you wore a carnation right. to honor your mom. And then it turned into red means your mom's alive. White means your mom is dead. And she was like, I didn't mean to do all of that. Jeez. Anyway, she tried to get Mother's Day rescinded because she was like, no, now it's turned into a thing for money for Hallmark and the greeting cards and all of this. Yeah. So she died in a sanitarium, her medical bills paid by people in the floral and greeting card industries. Whoa, that's dark. Yeah. She said, a printed card means nothing except you are too lazy to write to the woman who has done more for you than anyone in the world. And candy? You take a box to mother and then eat most of it yourself. A pretty sentiment. So in 1943, she tried to uh, to get rid of Mother's Day. She started a petition, and they put her in the Marshall Square Sanitarium in Westchester, Pennsylvania. And Big Mother's Day kept her in there until she died. What? Let's make a Netflix series together. Our podcast has its first IP. <laughs> Who do you see playing this uh, this lady? Yeah, and what's the title? Eventually, it's Tony Collette, mm-hmm. but like it doesn't start as Tony Collette. Sure, sure. Okay, right. because I feel like you have like a young version. It's, I don't know, Florence Pugh or something. And then we get to Tony. <laughs> or like but, yeah. Tony Gather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, before, you, before we go on on the fantasy, fantasy casting title, I just want to mm-hmm. say that the guilties is mm-hmm. a great little turn of phrase. It's great. Yeah. That's why I read it. Yes. Yeah, we should use it now. <laughs> um, I think it's called, oh gosh, is it called Happy Mother's Day? Or is it called? That sounds like a horror just movie. Home. But it ends. I mean, True. go to your room. <laughs> That's what you could call it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Woo. 
So we have to shift hard over here um, into Sassy's activism. This is a piece about Ohio State University cheerleader Jill, I'm going to say Redo, but it might be Redo, mm-hmm. who sued the Ohio State. The controversy was, is it racism or is it cheerleaders? Which is a Morrissey song, I think. <clears throat> but they, she, she wasn't like allowed to be a full cheerleader on the cheerleading squad. She didn't get to be in the picture for the yearbook. She didn't get to go to the Cotton Bowl. They would make her cheer separately from everybody else. And they were trying to say it's that she's just not a very good cheerleader. But um, in any event, I could not find how this lawsuit resolved. I spent another hour trying to find out. So if someone knows, she married her high school sweetheart. Their wedding was featured in Jet Magazine. Um, Her husband is a a pastor. Miss Joseph graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in History from the Ohio State University. uh, She was an NCAA All-American track athlete and Miss Fitness gymnast. And she's a licensed and practicing speech pathologist and successful realtor. So things seem to have worked out for Jill. But this is also, let's make a movie because I would watch the hell out of this thing. Yeah. Because the Wichita... Kansas native sued the university for $1 million for infliction of emotional distress. I don't know what motivated them, she says. I'm not ruling out anything. The president of the university put her on the squad, and the other cheerleaders claimed she wasn't good enough. And Jill said, I would like to regain my dignity. I want to make sure this never happens again. Yeah, I looked too. The most I could find was another story about that president like leaving the university not long after that and the, the lawsuit being one of the, I guess, contributory causes. Yeah. Of his removal, but yeah, I couldn't find anything about a settlement either. And when you start yeah. looking at like universities being sued, you, you get lots and lots of results <laughs> because universities get sued for mistreating students over racial issues a lot. It's an endemic problem. This is my favorite thing about what now, like we're talking about raging, we're talking about Lisa Lisa not wanting to be a sex symbol while looking sexy as hell. We meet Stephanie, who's just like us. We shit on Andrew McCarthy just a little bit on our way to talk about real issues. Yeah. And um, I love it. Thank you, Sassy. And then up in the corner, Star Charity's looking like as another chapter in Watchmen. A little bonus fight. It's true. <laughs> also, this sentence, May 12th, Steve Winwood would be 40. And then I was like, good Lord, how old is Steve Winwood now? How old is Steve? I can't, don't do the math. I don't want to know. But my brain was like, well, he must be 112 now. <laughs> I'm not good at math. Let's move on to Watch It, movie reviews. Our hit this month is School Days. I think this lineup, I'll just say it up top, is the least number of movies reviewed that I have ever seen. The only one I have seen is Satisfaction, (laughs) shamefully. And not only that, I've seen Satisfaction like recently, like in the last five years. I watched it when we lived in Hawaii because it came on one of the movie channels. With regard to school days, somehow I have seen, I've seen Do the Right Thing, of course, and I've seen the more recent ones like Black Klansman and Inside Man and Defy Bloods, but I've also seen all the Spike Lee movies in the middle, like of the 90s that no one agrees are good or not, like She Hate Me and Girl Six and Bamboozled and Summer Sam and Get on the Bus. I have not seen Malcolm X or School Days, which, as I said, is this month's hit. But I looked it up. It's on Netflix, and we're off next week, so I'm going to watch it. So I will report back because I I think I knew vaguely that it was also a musical, which is my jam. So I don't know why it's taken me this long to get to it, but I'm going to. 
I also, I just want you to feel better. I also had the exact same thought in my head when I looked these over where I was like, um, except for me, the one I've seen is the invisible kid. (laughs) 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 To where I put up, oh, well, I will watch the unbearable lightness of being this week and at least be slightly cultured. It's the Anna of this month. (laughs) And I I haven't, I haven't done it yet. And then I thought I was going to watch tape heads because John Cusack is in it. But while I was trying to find the soundtrack for it, I was like, what is this movie? And then, uh, and then I didn't, I don't know, life happened and I haven't seen any of them, but I think I'm going to watch The Unbearable Lightness of Being while you're watching School Days. Yeah, I really wanted to see Tapeheads too, based on that review, which somehow had also passed me by. But when I looked it up on Just Watch, it is not, it is not anywhere and neither is another excellent collaboration of John Cusack and Tim Robbins, Bob Roberts. <laughs> By the way, just get just a shout out to Bob Roberts, a very apropos and timely movie right now, which is also shamefully not streaming anywhere. Come on, guys, get it together. Their crime is being young. School's a drag because there's so many idiots. Their enemy is a world that doesn't care. Man, you want to tell me about fair? Anything with some feeling in it seems good to us. What else is there? Their strength. Is each other. What are you talking to them for? Because we all live on the street. Their hope is a stranger. It's up to us to create the world again. Their answer is the beat. Beat, 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 beat. Music is magic too. Music and beat. The beat, the beat. What else are we gonna do? We gotta survive. The beat, the beat. Let's get into the depths of human imagination. The beat. Who do you want to be? How is this not my favorite movie? You guys, who wants to adapt this trailer with me? Oh, I want to watch the beat right now. This could be a companion piece to Lost Angels, frankly. Yes. <laughs> Angst. It's hitting, Angst. It's hitting all of my buttons. Every rib on my rib cage is like a it's a little bit River's Edge. It's a little bit Permanent Record. It's a little bit Lost Angels. It's a little bit The Outsiders. Ooh, the, and then the beat, the beat. Like, do they dance beat, or is that just how they like menace? Are they just <laughs> menacing? Oh. <laughs> it's basically a new West Side Story. The beat, the oh, beat. Well, at least you can rent it. It's, uh, it's on Amazon. You so. can't. Okay. Good. <laughs> Bye, Pam. See you in a couple hours. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> it's got cute boy Billy McNamara in it. Mm-hmm. Who we will get to. Yep. We will get to. Uh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm really busy making plans to watch the beat in my head. I was like, and I'll make some popcorn. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, so I had, I had, thought I had not seen Satisfaction until I went looking in that clip that we played at the top. You know those times when you're like, oh, that's what's been playing in my head every third <laughs> month for the past 25 years. <laughs> it's Justine Bateman and Julia Roberts singing Ico Ico poorly. <laughs> yeah, really poorly. Boot, boot, boot. It, that has been stuck in my head ever since. <laughs> it's huh. hilarious to see Julia Roberts blow in that bottle. It comes out of nowhere. It's like someone's Proppies like under her handing it up <laughs> in the van. Yeah. Anyway, is this movie, and Scott Coffee's in it, is this movie also wonderful and should it be a part of my beat double feature? Mm, it's not wonderful. The The funny thing mm. in the review is that they're like, and then they meet this manager. They don't mention the manager is Liam Neeson. Oh. 
a really young Liam Neeson and he and Justine Bateman hook up and he's like old and she's a teenager and it's mm, so he's gross. Bad guy. It's not great. I don't I don't think it's like in the canon of important teen movies, but if it comes on HBO or whatever, you could watch it. I wouldn't seek it out. You know, it reminds me of the very important film Crossroads. If I, when you're just reading what it's about, mm-hmm. is it like a like a bad Crossroads? Well, it doesn't have the emotional element of like Crossroads also has the story of like I need to find my mom. Kim mm-hmm. Control. <laughs> I always forget Kim Control plays Brady's mother in that movie. Um, it's just them like getting a job, like being the house band at this resort for a summer. Mm-hmm. You know, people a little older than we. I need to say, uh, you thought Crossroads with Ralph Macchio, but we are talking about the much superior Crossroads with Britney Spears. <laughs> That's right, Britney Spears, Taron Manning, and Zoe Saldana. Yes, of course. Written by Shonda Rhimes. Written by Shonda Rhimes, of course. It's a good, I would say, not necessarily a, a double feature with the beat. It's more like Mystic Pizza. Okay. Have you ever had one of those days when you wished you could just disappear? Grover Dunn is having one of those days. <laughs> He's in trouble. Come on, please. I can explain. He's in love. I know. You've got her in here somewhere. And he's about to become... Invisible. The Invisible Kid. You toilet bowl cleaner. Big boy. The Invisible Kid. Now you see him. Now you don't. The Invisible Kid. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I'm still laughing. Oh. I thought Jay Underwood was so cute in The Boy Who Could Fly. Also, I feel like I watched all these zapped weird science, oh, she's naked right now movies. (laughs) (laughs) And she can't see me. What weird things will this do to young boys? Thank God it's on during the day while nobody's home. But uh, (laughs) uh, yeah, it is. It's like that voice will tell you exactly the, the tone of the entire thing. And it's a lot of, like, state-of-the-art clothes without people in them scenes where you know, like, some sexy is happening. <laughs> it's very funny to me that it's supposed to be an icebreaker that tells you about someone's psychology. Like, would you rather be invisible or be able to fly? And Jay Underwood did both in two different <laughs> movies. Back to back, apparently. Yeah. This one has China Phillips in it. Yeah. So. And her sideways baseball cap, according to this photo. Yeah. <laughs> wow. She's looking super fly. (laughs) You know what? She looks like Malin Ackerman in this picture. Yeah, she does. She looks like Malin Ackerman and Sharon Stone at the same time somehow. (laughs) So the Invisible Kid got one star here, and I'm just going to assume that that is right. I don't Mm -hmm. remember the movie. Like, I didn't remember the movie at all until I turned on that trailer, and then I was like, oh, yeah, I watched this one. It's bad. (laughs) It's bad. Where is your best now we're into listen up record reviews and the hit this month is conscious party from ziggy marley and the melody makers and christina writes in her review ziggy's music is very political like his dad's bob marley is his dad but you'll like it even if you're not concerned about famine in the third world or world freedom, <laughs> which 
if you're not, you probably shouldn't admit it. But anyway, that was that was the <laughs> why uh, do you have this magazine? Exactly, yeah. that was the the hit. Tomorrow, people, uh, not my not my thing, but sounds okay to me. I keep waiting for the age that I reach when I like when I like reggae. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. It just doesn't do it for me. And there, and sometimes you go to like a hotel pool and it's just reggae for five <laughs> goddamn days in a row. Like no matter where, like just at the beginning of the day to the end of the day, maybe that's what it is. Mm-hmm. But I would rather listen to this than the aggressive Hakima Fina Anane of Satisfaction. <laughs> so yeah. I do understand there is good reggae, whether or not it, it like gets into my bones. But if, doesn't it feel like something you maybe like retire to where you're just mm-hmm. like, hmm, yeah, I'm just going to margarita from now on. Yeah. I, I feel like that. I will maybe age into that, mm-hmm. but it's not me yet. Uh, next, we have Big Pig Bonk. You were like, I don't know any of those words, but why do I know that song? That song is called Breakaway, and you know it from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yep. It is very much tied to your love of Keanu Reeves. It's a good song. Do we know other Big Pig songs? Nope. <laughs> <I> think so. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we learn from Neil here, because it must be Australian, uh, that this band is incredibly cool. It's got three drummers, keyboards, harmonica, and fantastic vocals. But that's not the incredibly cool part. The incredible part is the big sound. And uh, yeah, man, this is this is still a good song. I would put this song right in my basement backs. Basement backs? I would put this <laughs> song right in my basement jacks, like, collection of, mm-hmm. um, I want to I dance with a strong face. Yeah. Can't break away. You know what I mean? Like it's a good yeah. it's a good uh I'm I'm going through the closet letting my eight year old dress me so <laughs> I will say though that uh being a band that has three drummers, it just seems like that's a thing that you do so that you can say, We're the band with three drummers. So <laughs> like it just seems like a very self consciously but also mm. very Australian. Yeah. Like true. these guys probably were in Mad Max somewhere. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's the post-apocalyptic band. No more strings or anything. Don't worry about that. No guitars. Just drums. Drums yeah. and harmonicas. That was the original name of the think, band. It was like it was like Guns N' Roses, but different. Do you think they opened for Midnight Oil or Midnight Oil opened for them? Oh. Forever. And now. Like now. <laughs> I think these guys opened for Midnight Oil, probably. Yeah. There you go. Who's going to shave me, Midnight Oil? That one? Yeah. Yeah. That's all I can hear for that song. What is that? The song that has the line, who's going to save me, sounds a lot like who's going to shave me, and the guy's bald, and that's all I could, I thought that's what it was for the longest time. Who's going to shave me? Who's going to shave me? <laughs> but it wasn't. Yeah, you're thinking of their, but that's not their their big song, the big song. Yeah, that's a, not their big song. Bah, 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 that one. <laughs> This is Venetians, a band I had never heard of. Um, In her review, Karen tells a story of having met the band last year when they were filming a video for one of their songs off their first album. 
And she writes, quote, the clip called for a concert crowd scene. So they ran a bulletin on the radio because it's the past calling for Venetians <laughs> fans to appear in the video as the crowd. But when the day arrived, only about 35 fans turned up, not the hundreds they'd banked on. Ugh, well, I couldn't just leave them in the lurch like that. So I spent the next three hours dancing around a filthy, cold auditorium watching a totally uninspired band lip sync to a song I didn't particularly even like. It's a tragic story. And then, so when I went to um, look up a clip for to intro this album, all of the tracks on this song on YouTube had under 100 views, except this one. So this one seems to be the only one that they made a video for. It is called Bitter Tears, I think. Poor Karen. Poor Karen uh, accidentally got into a video. Yeah. <laughs> when I read it, I'm like, wait a minute, you knew the band and then you get to be in a video. Yeah. It is like it is like when people are like, you went to a taping of a show and you're like, it was cold and mostly you wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds very 1988, like melodic, forgettable pop. Mm. This album gets three stars and that sounds right. Arguably the most successful single on this month's Listen Up. That's yep. Johnny Hates Jazz with Shattered Dreams, mm -hmm. a song you hear every time you leave your house. Yeah. It is. <laughs> it's, a, it's still a hit. <laughs> yes. It's still good. Yeah. I, it's it's still getting me. Yep. By the way, Johnny Hates Jazz still making music. Hmm. And uh, I didn't know that. I don't think I would have known that was Johnny. H like I, maybe in a, like a rapid fire game show would have been like, Johnny hates jazz. And right. I'd be like, how did I know how to say those words? <laughs> it swam up from your unconscious somewhere. Yes. <laughs> yes. But uh, it's a good song. Uh, all the Elizabeth calls this a collection of drooly unoriginal tunes. And I would like to add drooly to the, the guilties <laughs> in some... Um, Sassy language I'd like to uh, – we start using. And she said the only reason she didn't bomb this one is because there may be some old Air Supply fans out there who have been yearning for this type of washed-out music and self-pitying, wimpy lyrics and might want to give them a special break. And by the way, there is no Johnny. I love that. Spoiler. Spoiler. There's no Johnny. Did you know that the fine young cannibals are not actually cannibals? <laughs> they drive me crazy. Really pissed about Hootie. In a few years, too, probably. <laughs> yeah, I'm based on this and her angry Madonna review, I'm trying to, like, triangulate what kind of music Elizabeth does like. Because I'm not getting a picture of it, but it's not this and it's not that remix album. So it seems like she might like jazz. So I don't know, mm. even from the beginning of this, if, like, Johnny could have used a little jazz. Maybe Elizabeth hasn't found her thing and that's her thing. Could be. Two stars for Will and the Kills, both titular and eponymous album. <laughs> is that true? Did he use both of those fun words the right way? Yep. Um, Will Sexton is uh, Charlie Sexton's brother. I, I'm just speaking straight to Texans and Austin's Austinites at this point. <laughs> but uh, Will and the Kill was not so easy to find. But uh, Will Sexton, if, if you're an Austin person, you know who he is. He's playing somewhere, wherever you are right now. And it sounds very... A true story. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that was the only 
uh, song from the album that charted. It's called Heart of Steel. But once again, a reference in the review to the gorgeous Will on the album cover, which we do not see. (laughs) We do see the cover on this page of the big pink, big pig album cover, which could not be more boring. It's just big pig bonk. It's just like all text. But that's one of the ones that's reviewed by Neil. And since mm-hmm. he's the art director, I think we know why this choice was made. Just noting it's, that. I like this cover. I remember this cover. Nah. It's got slippery when wet vibes. I guess. <laughs> now to our bomb. Shake your body, give me love. Now before they started singing, that beat those instruments were like the start of every B minus action film that involved an airplane from the 1980s. (laughs) We've got a plan. That is, that is the shot of airplanes landing on the tarmac of people Mm -hmm. getting deplaning, collecting their luggage. And in one of the pieces of luggage, there's like a sniper rifle all in this little bits and he's going to grab it and he's going to go somewhere and he's going to open up that and assemble his rifle. And then he's going to shoot somebody. That is the music that starts that movie. Yeah. So that was um, Crazy House. The album is still looking for heaven on earth. It is our month's bomb. I didn't mind any of this. It's like techno-y, but it's like dance music. It's sort of fun. And I would say we are still working out the kinks of how reviews get assigned. This also comes up with the Tapeheads review, although in that instance, it worked out because (laughs) the reviewer was like, I didn't want to see this one. And then it turned out to be good. But if Mary C., who reviews the crazy house album does not like techno like maybe she's the wrong person to review a techno album which she says like if you don't like techno then you're not gonna be able to say whether this is a good example of techno or not i i I listened to a few tracks from this and i thought they were pretty good as far as this style of music goes i i think if you imagine movies like iron eagle there's another example of how that movie starts out with this song. starlock jam See, starlock me, jam has an opinion about crazy house to me this like the the opening of that like that clip you played it's like this is the sound you hear when it's a hair gel commercial and eric niece is about to like take all his clothes off really fast <laughs> like in fast motion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, target lock target lock uh <laughs> Evade, ev- evasive maneuvers. Uh, no, they're on my. Shoot the they're chaff. on my tail. They're on my tail. We what need am more I supposed chaff. to do? Get the I chaff. can't get more chaff. I have all the chaff. I'm using full chaff. <laughs> I think chaff is like daggy. I think that's one of those things that's going to come. That guy's real chaff. He's a real chaff. Oh my god, he's so chaffed. <laughs> I made you a mixtape, but because I have decided we should celebrate the whole issue, not just the listen up. My mixtapes are now themed for the entire magazine, including some things that we might chat about in the podcast. So I made you a true mixtape for your heart. (laughs) I assume Dave hadn't worked on a a clip, and uh, just thought I'd write one on the fly for you, Dave. You're welcome. Thanks. Uh, that was great. <laughs> Here we are in the uh, ones to watch. It's a bunch of boys. Cute guy alert. Uh, sorry, Andrew McCarthy, Rob Lowe, and River Phoenix. You've been dethroned. 
I'm sorry, I can't get over that sentence. But <laughs> aged like milk. That was bad. That sentence, yeah, that sentence like hurts me in more than one organ simultaneously. I have a proposal, and I think this is something we should track. Okay. Which is, do they ever get this right? Has there ever <laughs> been one to watch that turned out to be one to watch? Because so far, and I don't want to spoil what I was about to say, I think it's zero <laughs> for six so far in Sassy Magazine. This one ends on a high note. Well, okay, but it's somebody you know, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's somebody to watch because, frankly, <laughs> this last person was there and then for a long time wasn't yeah. and just Nobody recently came back, but only <laughs> yeah. because somebody else said yes to a project. So with that in he mind. Can't, he can't break away. He can't break <laughs> away. <laughs> so with that in mind, let us continue. But I'm saying... All right. Let's revisit it at the end of this, but I'm thinking zero for six on on ones to watch. They their early ones are bad. It's true, but there are there are good ones coming. I I promise. But I want to keep expressing this as a percentage as we go along. Fair enough. So at the sure. end of the run, in about seven years' time, we, we <laughs> could have a, a definitive scientific analysis Oof. of ones to watch and how many they got right. Okay. Yeah, it is all. It's very sad. I well, this one I called the circle of Keanu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they do all seem attached him in some way. And this, once you read all four gentlemen's stories and interviews with Christina Kelly, and you're um, on the other side of this, and by that I mean today, it's uh, it's sad. So we're going to, we're just going <laughs> to go in as if we're young people learning who Paul Hip is and Billy McNamara, Alan Boyce, and Alex Winter. And we can um, just talk about them. I'm already sad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to not be. Pam, at least they're all alive, I think. Uh, one is missing, dude. Oh, but I God. think he's alive. I think he's alive. Wait, you think because there's some evidence or this is just like Pam hopes because she's a nice person no, that he's alive? I, Pam went down another rabbit hole and found that he might still be alive, but he's definitely suffering from a coma and living possibly alone okay. with his parents. Spoiler. The tragedy, he's not famous enough to have one of those bullshit podcasts about him. You know, Alan Boyce is missing. Brought no, to you dude. by Spotify. Uh, it's called DennisCooperBlog.com, and it's Alan Boyce Grows Invisible. Hang on. <laughs> Where is Alan Boyce? Nobody's seen him in years. Has he become a CIA operative? Is he the sniper that has you in his sights right now? Podcast now available. On We're going to feel really bad about that when Pam gets to whatever his real story <laughs> You are. Is. It's a link that just does what you said, but it's This real. is why you do it now before you learn. It's like when I was so oh. excited about the stripper story. I'm like, you! Woo! Stripper! <laughs> oh, shit. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Let's just skip to Alan Boyce because here we are. And I'll just do the boys out of order. Who cares? Well, alphabetically, Alan Boyce. So he was in Permanent Record, which I've already mentioned before because it's great and he's great in it. Copy Squad. Oh. She consistently calls it permanent records, which is not the best. I have, I, I hid, I highlighted it as well. <laughs> Alan Boyce is super cute and might have a little uh, sunburn on his nose as well. But he's like a, a bit of a mess when Christina goes to meet him and then they go and eat and he's smoking while eating. And then he's sort of like, I never smoke, but he's smoking and eating. And, and Disgusting. then it's awful. Like, and he's eating, is it spaghetti? Spaghetti. Yes. And a cigarette is a whole thing. Like that's all you need to know really about a person as a, as a writer. You're just like, that's perfect. Like, thank you. You don't have to tell me anything else about him. I've got it. I'll go write the movie. Yeah. 
He dropped out of high school and he went to design school for painting. And then he started acting classes. When she asks what he likes to do for fun, he said, that's a pretty broad question. I like to have sex. I write songs and I'm writing a book about growing up in a small town in New Hampshire. He says it bothers him the way people make judgments on celebrities, like the whole thing with Michael Jackson. I think there's nothing wrong with trying to improve your appearance. Yeah. Remember when that was the whole thing with Michael Jackson? That was the controversy. Mm. Uh, He says, I've never been jealous of anyone in my life. Even when I was a little kid, I knew I was destined to have a great life. And I drew a tiny sad face next to that because it gets rough for Alan. It sounds like, you know, there's a lot of drug problems and some issues with his identity, perhaps. And then um, you can see the link, but there's like a discussion of whether or not he overdosed or was in a car accident, but regardless, he was in a coma and then Mm -hmm. kind of dropped out of all of the stuff on this article. At some point, family members are just reconnecting in the comments where they're like, oh, I'm your, I'm your aunt. And when, where have you been? And it just got too much for me. I had to back out. Uh, You can read it. And I, it's too, it hit all my empathy too much. I had to back away from Alan Boyce, but you know, I guess Netflix series just out there for you guys to take. Alan Boyce grows invisible. You can um, option denniscooperblog.com. <laughs> I, this podcast is going to make some money for other people. <laughs> <laughs> but in this article or in this essay, which was written uh, September of 2019, mm-hmm. um, he he kind of goes through all of Alan Boyce's movies and how what a talent he was and then uh, intersperses it with moments that he's run into Alan Boyce and Alan Boyce made out with his boyfriend and stuff. Like it gets into their, um, right. their whole, their whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately um, theories about where he is and what happened to him. So Dave, I don't know that he's dead. I think he's not dead, but he is not doing great. Well, he's just out of the picture. He's okay. taken himself out of the story. Okay, so moving on, <laughs> let's go to our next cute boy, Paul Hip. It's hip to be Paul. Uh, Paul <laughs> could not do it, could not do it every day. <laughs> Who doesn't sing that at him? <laughs> hip gets sober and everything gets better for him. He is super into juicing. It doesn't take long to know that uh, Paul Hip has mostly a liquid plant-based diet and he will tell you about it. Yeah. Um, he seems to be very happy and doing well and living his best life. So He also is the only one who's shows any indication that he's read the magazine coming into the Mm -hmm. interview. He displays knowledge of the March issue because he liked uh, the letter from the girl with wonky breasts. Okay, Paul. He said he wanted to do a guest health call. (laughs) He did. But I know this guy. He played Reverend Tim Tom on The Middle, which I watched the show with Patricia Heaton. (laughs) And he was actually good. He was like a singing the cool youth pastor and he was like really funny. He still he still works. And he also played Elvis in the Victor Garber Liberace movie that I have been meaning to watch, which is on Amazon Prime and which I will link in uh, in the show notes because I might watch that this week, too. I'll put that down. I'll watch that. That sounds fun. Yeah. He also was in at the time China Girl, which I never saw, but I guess he Mm -hmm. did the music for it, too. And he plays Helen Slater's ex in Sticky Fingers. That seems like a movie that got a new name that you know the name of. You're like, it's the secret of my success. (laughs) No, it's still called Sticky Fingers and it's uh, it's on Amazon Prime too, which we'll link link that in the show notes as well. This is a fun interview because uh, Christina includes the waiter who's clearly trying to become famous by just like, (laughs) it's like a Paul Lind character, just like coming (laughs) near the microphone and being like, my phone number is like, and I brought you your croutons and I studied four years. (laughs) And it just like walks off. (laughs) 
every interjection from the waiter was like POV. I'm your waiter, like a TikTok. <laughs> He's just like doing a bit of his own while this interview is happening. <laughs> like, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, that was great. I appreciated that Christina kept it because she was like, I do hope he's going places. <laughs> so if you are that waiter, please yes. let us know. Yeah. Let us know. Where mm-hmm. are you? We love you. Sticking on the sober train, Billy, I, okay, I had this picture on my wall of cute guy number two, and I don't know if it's Billy McNamara, Billy McNamara, McNamara. Billy McNamara. Is McNamara. it? Because there's no A in the Mac. It says Mick, like McDonald's. It's McNamara. Oh, Tara can't do anything but shake her head at I'm me. I'm just it's telling just, you, that's, that's how you say that name. <laughs> he uh, he is uh, still active on Twitter. He's an animal rights activist. There's also a recent podcast that he did. There's a link in the show notes, The Horseback of Hollywood, which is really about how to keep going, how to have longevity when you've started off as this little poster boy, like so cute, you guys. This picture is so cute. He is really cute. So cute. Even in here, they're like, how are you so cute? He's like, right? Look at me. And he's <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't think I'm cute. Then I look at me and I'm like, I get why you think I'm cute. Holy yeah. cannoli, look at my eyes. Yep. And then uh, he goes on and on about Long Before Tomorrow, which gets changed to Dream a Little Dream. And mm-hmm. I remember losing my mind that I knew who he was when I was watching Dream a Little Dream because I knew who he was from Sassy Magazine and he was on my wall and I felt like... For the first time, I knew something cool. And everybody around me was like, shh, I'm watching the movie. Yes. With April 1 to watch Matt Adler, also in that movie. And then we have... He can't break away. Cute guy number four is Alex Winter. Yay. The circle of Keanu is complete. Alex is in this thing like, I don't know, man. Like I keep getting cast as like creeps and vampires and weirdos. And what do you think that's all about? And they're like, I don't know. Yeah. He comes across as the least stupid slash self-involved of all of them, which is probably why he's the one whose name we still know, I would say. Yeah. He also is reading some Barry Hannah and asks, do you know him? Not in that shitty way, but like, oh, maybe I can talk to the smart girl about smart things. Yeah. And he can't because she's like, who? <laughs> but she fakes like, oh, it. Oh, my God. I'm totally going to pretend I read that. Yes. But he, but he's, he might just be pulling an Obama, too. Where he's like, I learned five things I say to girls that they've never read so that I can be like, well, you should. It's stunning. He's from Mississippi. Yeah. If you want to know what Alex Winter's up to, he recently has a documentary out about Frank Zappa. Wild Stallions Forever. High school. St. Davis High School Football Rules, which you can still shout anywhere. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's true. Ed you Solomon. Really can. You can. You can shout San Dimas High School football rules in a dentist's office, a funeral. Everybody would be like, no, like nobody <laughs> will stop you from it. You can yell it from out the window of your car and people will be like, <laughs> fuck yeah, it does. Because it does. Okay, so once, ones <laughs> to watch count. I'm still saying zero for six so far. In That's magazine. fine, Dave. I think Alex Winter is an edge case, but I, I, I would agree he did not become a huge star. I drew a heart next to him. Aww. Aww. <laughs> I love him. Look at his cute face. He's so cute. Next time, we're talking fashion. 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 Not one but two swimsuit spreads. Tempt fate in a bunch of different white outfits. And another model gets a makeover. Wow. For my plug this week... 
listeners of this podcast are probably going to be interested in Kid 90, Soleil Moon Fry's documentary about her teen years, which is on Hulu. I talked about it in the latest episode of Extra Hot Great, which is our sister podcast, All About TV, which Dave and I do with our co-host, Sarah D. Bunting, and a different guest every week. This time it was Allison Herman from The Ringer. And we will link you to that in the show notes. And actually, one to watch, Alex Winter also directed a documentary about child stars called Showbiz Kids, which I'm going to watch on spring break to compare. That is on HBO Max. We'll link that in the show notes as well. You'll like Showbiz Kids, but it's a little sadder. Yeah. <laughs> a little sadder. Uh, for my plug this week, I'd like to plug other people. I just heard Allie Ward's uh, recent ologies, this is a podcast, on Fanthropology, about a legit professional Fanthropologist, Meredith Levine, ch- uh, chats about everything from cosplay to K-pop, Star Wars, Fraser Truckee's fanfic, how influencer culture works, the algorithms, and how loving what we love is a form of self-care. Mm. And it also gets into Harry Potter in a way that is definitely talking about Johnny Depp here. <laughs> you can follow Tara on Twitter or Instagram at Tara Ariano. You can follow Pam on Twitter or Instagram at Pamela Ribbon. And you can follow the show on both Twitter and Instagram at Listen to Sassy. Please rate and review us on the podcast app of your choice to help other listeners find us. You can also call us. Our hotline is 720-SASSY-GO. Leave us a voicemail about the show or the magazine, and we may play it on a future episode. Uh, You can find more information about the podcast, our visual aids for all of our episodes, and contact info for all of us at our website, listentosassy.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Woo! When will the episode end? (laughs) How long will it go on? I've been trying to end the episode. Can they survive the next three minutes? <laughs> I don't think I'm going to survive the next three minutes. <laughs> Find out on Listen to Sassy. I'm trying to listen to Sassy. Get out of my room. That is the theme song for Starlog Jam, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> From across the cosmos brings you the number one podcast in the world. It's Starlog Jam. Jam, jam. Ooh. Oh, is that how math works? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I forgot you're the dumb co-host. <laughs> I'm waiting to see what Dave's up to. I was just trying to listen for that uh, midnight oil thing. <laughs> Very How can now. we shave while our beds are burning? Is that what you thought it was? <laughs> it's two separate songs, but I like where you're going.